Welcome back. It's everybody's favorite podcast, Howl History. It's been a long break here, Chad, but we are finally back after a few months. We figured it's a no better time than the present to discuss Wolves basketball, especially when they are deep into a playoff series with the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, we apologize for such a long break, but, you know, life gets busy. Kids uh, kids are in activities. Chad's at every single Timberwolves basketball game and doesn't have any time for me anymore. So that's how it rolls. <laughs> wow, well, yeah. I, it's And they go on these long stretches where they'll have like a two-week three or four games each week. And then that two weeks, all of them are on the road. Like mm-hmm. the, that, that was how the end of the season kind of wrapped up. It was really weird. It felt like for a little while there, like the season was over because we didn't go to a game in like 12 or 13 straight days. And then all of a sudden it was like, bang, 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 bang. We had like the last week and a half or 10 days of the season we had, I, I don't know. felt like we were on there every night. <laughs> yeah. It got crazy. We haven't recorded an episode since the all-star break. It was February 24th when we put out our last episode which was the day that they came back. And it just so happened to be that the Wolves beat the Memphis Grizzlies that day. So it's uh, let's hope that the, the trend continues and that this podcast also brings forth another victory over the Memphis Grizzlies. And Chad, what else is there to say besides uh, Wolves back? They are back indeed. It's been, uh, I, I, I don't remember if it was you. I've texted this, you know, of course, I am most of my friends is only Timberwolves friend. <laughs> that's a fan you know you yeah. know so i'm sure everybody listening to it, anybody that's listening to a wolves podcast they're probably that per, that person in their friend group too where mm-hmm. they're the only like live and die with the wolves kind of fan whereas everybody else are largely casual which means they're bandwagon jumpers they're all excited now they all wanted yeah. to be you know at the playoffs so i was getting texts from people i don't normally get texts from regarding timberwolves and i think i so I said it to several people, and I don't remember. If you, you and I talk all the time about the Wolves, so I don't remember if I said it to you or not. But that 2004 KG team, KG is my favorite player of all time. But I think this team is my favorite team of all time. Yeah. Because there's like, on that 2004 team, there was a, a few guys I liked a lot. And there was yeah. a, a few guys I really didn't like. Not personally, but like their games. I didn't like their, like Troy Hudson. I thought he was a nice enough guy. I just didn't like his game. You know, guys like that. Yeah. Um, Oddly enough, I don't think he played in the playoffs that year, but yeah. I think he played early in the one of the series. I thought he only has like six career playoff games for the Wolves. And it was oh, all in that one game, well, that one series against the Lakers where he was mythic legend Troy Hudson for six games. Yeah. Yeah. He, I mean, he had like some big playoff moments, but I guess I was thinking that, that, Laker was that Laker series was the 04 one that he was in, but must have been the yeah that was the 03 one. Mm. So anyway, yeah, I, like, but there was a, you know even Irv Johnson I wasn't a huge fan of. Yeah, I mean um, Irvin Johnson, Oluwa Candy. There were a few guys that it was just like ah. Eh. Yeah, I yeah. loved Sam, loved KG, I loved Spree as a Golden State Warrior. I wasn't as like I liked him as a Timberwolf player, but what he wasn't the same Spree for me. Mm-hmm. No, um, you know Hoiberg I liked. Olo Candy, I love the idea of Olo Candy, but then not so much when we actually got him in right, here. When Irvin okay. Johnson proved to be a better center than he was. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then but this team, there's not really any like if you ask me who do you don't who do you dislike on this team, there's nobody I dislike. There's guys yeah. that will frustrate me on any given night. Literally, all of them can frustrate me on any given night. I was frustrated with Edwards last night, and he's my favorite mm-hmm. player on the team. So it's um but it's a fun team. It's a I like I think Finch is probably my all-time favorite coach now yep. for this franchise. Yep. So it's just a, it's a really easy team to like. 
Yeah, I mean, it's... There are no personalities on this team that I would swap out. If I were to go into the offseason saying, like, who doesn't fit? Who's the wrong person for this group? Who doesn't fit their role in terms of the communication and the... <sighs> the confluence of all of these different players coming in and these different personality types and how they fit together. There's no personality that I would swap out. And there's, it's really hard to dislike any of them, you know, even as a person. Um, there are obviously, like you said, you get frustrated with some of the players and there are players that I would, I could probably pretty easily point to and say, I would love to upgrade that spot. But in terms of just guys who are pretty easy to cheer for if they're playing well I'm all in like it's a great team and it's really fun and when they're hitting and when they're moving the ball around and everybody's getting their role there there's rarely been a team that's more fun to cheer for than this team yeah I mean it's yeah it's obviously there's you could have the Phoenix you could be the Phoenix Suns you're gonna have guys on the team that you would love to upgrade Mm -hmm. you would I mean every like there's never in the history of basketball been there a team where there's not guys on the team that you could upgrade even the dream team there's guys that you could you could have upgraded Christian Leitner with you know name a dozen different power forwards that were playing in the NBA at the time that you could have upgraded Christian Leitner with you know what I mean it's so you could clearly upgrade anybody on any team um but what's like in terms of a makeup team like this team is like they're still they, they still have a lot of growing that they can do. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think any of them have really outside of like maybe Beverly and maybe Torian Prince have hit kind of hit like their ceilings of what they're going to be. Like, I don't mm-hmm. see those guys getting any better. Every other player on this team has a chance to get, continue to grow and get better, you know, and develop more. So that's another like positive trait that this team has that like that old four team didn't have like KG was a finished yep. product in 04. Yeah. Sam Spree were already on the downsides of their careers. Wally was a finished product. Hoiberg finished product. Like there was very little upside to that old four team, you know, and this team there's tons besides, of that. Like there's yeah. besides Trent upside. and Hassel, lots of potential in Trent and Hassel. Yeah. 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 Or uh, Derek, Derek Martin. Yeah. You know? Right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so it's like it's been a really fun season. I mean, they've over um, produced what anyone thought they could do. That yep. like, you know, it's it's been fun basketball. It's not like the Jimmy Butler playoff year where it was like, you know, horrible basketball to watch. It was you know. So there's just I can't say enough good things about the season, about this team, about you know the job everybody's done. So it's been it's been a refreshing. Yeah, I mean, I think I finally reached a point the other night when they won game four where I I think I exhaled for the first time. And I finally said, or was able to like say to myself, this season has been a success no matter how it goes forward from here. And I should have been able to say that long ago. Like like you said, they, they outperformed they outperformed expectations. They were pegged at 33 and a half wins, you know, 35, you know, early on. They crushed that number. They... Started eleven and two out of the All Star break. You know whether or not that was against some poor competition. They they did their job. They won the games they were supposed to win. They beat some really good teams. You know they close it out with you know they had victories against Dallas and Denver, who were two teams that they're chasing for playoff spots. And even though they didn't eventually catch them, they then went out and beat a team that was kind of their kryptonite all year and the Clippers in the play in game to you know make it in in this series against Memphis, which has been a blast. You know two teams that are very similar and it's going to six at least, if not seven. Um, but I think there was just kind of this this feeling all year of if they beat this team, it's because that guy was missing. Or if they went on this run, it was against five teams that, 
you know, were bottom feeders or, yeah, they got this one big win, but then they go out and lose to Orlando. And it's like that happens to every team, but it's it was really hard to really look at the Timberwolves and say, like, I don't know. I wanted this season because we know like this season was not building towards a championship. The goal for this season was to feel better about next season and the season after that and the season after that, that this is the first step, not one step, you know, the, the Jimmy Butler type, we're going to make it to the playoffs. And next year when the Clippers and the Pelicans and the Nuggets are all healthy again, we're going to be the nine seed and we'll be struggling to get into the playoffs with the plan again. Is it, it's like, you wanted to see some proof, some evidence that this team was going to build on top of this. And this is really a sustainable model for winning into the future. And I think, I don't know, maybe I just didn't let myself believe because it's been so long. Maybe it was just so hard to say like, yeah, Wolves back and really believe it. But, you know, when they tied this series 2-2, like, I know the game last night was a tough loss. I know that it was kind of heartbreaking in the fact that they gave up another double-digit fourth quarter lead to the Grizzlies this year, and which is, you know... They've given up three double-digit fourth-quarter leads this year. All three have been to the Grizzlies. And it's just, I know that was a rough game, but I was, I don't know, I was less hurt by it. I was less crushed by that defeat, knowing that, yes, there is still another game six. Uh, there's a game of six at home. And even if they don't win game six, or they win game six and they go on to lose game seven, like, they did their job. They've done everything you could reasonably, reasonably expect from them this year. And with the growth pattern that they have, like, I can now enter into the offseason feeling like, yes, this was something and we're going to take it further. Not, you know what, Russell was the same. Towns was the same. Edwards didn't take the leap we wanted him to take. You know, it's just kind of like, we just got lucky with injuries and let's pray for next year. Yeah, it's it's interesting you say that because I actually felt, I think we, we came to the same conclusions. We ultimately got to the same spot, but I actually felt like most of the season, that this team was better and more on track for the future than I had ever felt about this team, even dating back to 04. Because even in 04, I felt like, okay, this is this window's short. We got this year, maybe next year, to really have a chance before the wheels come off. This year, like, and actually, and even with the frustrations I have with our losses against Memphis are because I wholeheartedly believe we're a more talented team from top to bottom than the Memphis mm-hmm. Grizzlies. I think just talent, we're, we blow the doors off that team. I think the difference is largely experience because that experience that they had last year in the playoffs have allowed them to make fewer mistakes and get less emotional, even though they're apt to, to still do both. Um, Jaron Jackson Jr. is like a miniature clone of Carl Anthony Towns. I mean, he yeah. loses his mind every time there's a foul called, and he's far less effective at doing anything. I mean, he was a guy I'm a fan of coming into the series. Yeah, I would take Clark over him in a heartbeat. I oh, don't. Clark, I mean, Clark is crushing us, and the Wolves aren't even guarding Jaron Jackson. No, I mean, they're letting he's their Vando. Yeah. He's he's essentially their Vando. He's a better shot blocking version of Vando. Is all yeah. he really is, and. um in game two, he made a bunch of threes, but it didn't change their defense. It didn't change how they're going to defend him the rest of the series, and he hasn't made him pay, make pay since. Yeah, he's, you know, him. Dylan Brooks is like their Beverly. He He's annoying and all that, mm-hmm. but he's less effective than Beverly. Um, you know, you look at their, like, I know that the, uh, the, the knee-jerk reaction is to compare Ja and Ant because they're guards, mm-hmm. and then compare Carl to Jaron Jackson because they're bigs. 
But Carl's so much better than Jaron Jackson. I think that's unfair. And I think Ja is still quite a bit better than Ant. And yep. so that's unfair. Um, so I compare Towns to Ja. And I, to be honest, I still think Towns is a better player than Ja. Ja's, he's more pleasing to watch with the eye. He's mm-hmm. less effective at winning basketball games. I mean, he's, he has a tough time scoring, you know, and, and Towns has had a couple tough games, but Jaws had one good game and then he, he has, he's had some really big moments, right? Yeah. Um, I think Towns has had multiple good games and some tough moments, like instead of big moments, he's had the yeah. tough moments, you know? Yeah. And then part of Towns's problem, it was, this is where my frustration was last night, uh, was that our guards just all think they're the alpha on the team. And so they just literally every play down, like they should have never put Anthony Edwards back in the game. If that's all they were going to do with him, because we had an eight point lead, I believe, or nine point lead when they brought mm-hmm. him and every play down was him just dribbling in isolation and heaving up a three point shot with a Brandon Clark hand in his face with three seconds to go on the shot clock. And he bricked every one until he made the one that to, to tie it again. But we would have won comfortably by 10, 12 points if, they just would have kept feeding Towns, who was like a laser drilling every single shot yeah. in that game. So that was frustrating. And to bring it full circle, that's where my frustration comes with the losses we've had against Memphis, because I feel like we're the better team. I think we've been some a little bit outcoached in some situations, which is it's not even that Taylor Jenkins has done more like coaching maneuvers around like some of them he's had to do because Steven Adams can't hang with talent, things like that. So those are sure those are adjustments, but it's more on for whatever reason, the, the, the thing that drives me crazy about Finch and who I love, who I just told you before we started recording that he's mm-hmm. my favorite coach in franchise history. But there's two things that bug me is number one is we go on these, like we'll have a 20 point lead and the, the opposing team is just whittling it away. And there's no timeouts called until that lead's completely gone. Like he doesn't stop it at like a, a 10 point mark. And I get like the Phil Jackson world did that with like a veteran teams and stuff, but these are all young guys that don't know how to win yet. So like, mm-hmm. this is where, like, this is the exact team you can't do that with, you know, you need to like stop the bleeding. The other thing that drives me a little nuts about the Chris Finch system is that there is no pecking order on offense. Every single right. player on this team is treated the exact same. They all have a green light. And that's that's what results in a game like last night where you got Anthony Edwards just pretending to be Kobe Bryant ineffectively costing us the game at the end when you, it, Towns has even touched the ball in several straight possessions only on defense. Like he had a couple key blocks down the stretch and what have you. But and then you had Bando coming and stealing a rebound from like and then it ends up in the hands of him. Like there's so many little mistakes there. But I think a lot of those mistakes go away if you just establish a pecking order. Every single guy has got to know their limitations. Every single player on that team needs to know that Carl Towns is the best offense option and probably always will be. I, If Anthony Edwards ever comes close to being as good as Towns offensively, like we're in for a treat because Carl Towns is one of the best offensive players mm-hmm. in the last 25, 30 years. I mean, he's you know, a remarkable talent on, on the offense end. So, so those are my, my – that's – I get frustrated it's just because I felt like going into the series that it was a, it was a decent matchup for us and we had a shot, but then you start watching and you're like, we're a better team. We're just not like we're a year behind them because we don't have that, that experience in the playoffs with this group, you know? Um, so next year, I, I think we're going to own Memphis, you know, unless they make some big change on their roster. Like if they swap Adams for some other like difference maker on their team, 
Um, but, I, you know, like Desmond Bain's a great player. Like they have a lot of good players. Yep. I would take our roster over their roster any day of the week. Yeah. I mean, we're going to have some decisions to make on our roster too. But I mean, overall, I agree with everything you just said. I would still probably place... Chris Finch as my number one reason for confidence in this team moving forward. I, like I would, agree. I would like agree. I know like Ant has not even approached his ceiling yet. He's twenty years old. What he's been doing, I mean, all of the warts aside and the decisions he's made in the playoffs, like he's, he's averaging twenty four points a game through his first six playoff games and, against and, and a he's really good years defensive old. team. Like I'm yeah. not even being critical of Ant. No, no, no. At, yeah, he's, like we we look at that guy and he has the world ahead of him. Like my confidence in Carl, in spite of the play in game and game three, like is higher than it's ever been. Like, you know, Carl's going to like, he's coming and it's not just a good stats, bad team guy. Like he has proven this year beyond a doubt, like he is a winner. And yes, there are going to be some matchups that are hard for him. And there are going to be some nights where his, he makes dumb choices because like, he lets his emotions get the better of him. He complains too much. He starts taunting the crowd when they're up by 12 in the fourth quarter. Like, he just, he does stuff that's always going to drive us crazy. And like you said, the Minnesota crowd is always, has decided, like, he's not the guy for us. He's the, like, he's not even, like, a local boy like Joe Maurer. But, like, we've just decided, like, he's not going to get us there. So, we're, we've turned and we're ready for the next guy. But, like he's going to, as long as he wants to be around and even, even if that's on a super max deal, because he makes third team all NBA this year, even second team all NBA, like that's fine. Keep him around. He'll, his contract will be worth it once, especially once the salary cap bumps up again and you've got him and Ant, and move forward from there. But even with those two things, knowing that we have Chris Finch and knowing and seeing what he's been able to do with this crew, which is a very imperfect roster. And the the gaps it has in its assemblage, and what he's been able to do with that group in one season essentially, is just life breathing into this franchise. To know that if you give him another off season to add more wrinkles and another full season to tinker with the other defenses, and they bring in one or two guys that can help round out the edges on being able to utilize those defenses in a successful way, rather than saying. We want to be able to throw a switching scheme at somebody, but we suck at switching. So let's never do it, you know, in the playoffs. Like giving him more time, knowing that this was year one with this group, essentially. And now he can build on that every single year. And the longer that you keep the core together, the more he's going to be able to do and the better they'll be. Like he has proven so much over the first 16 months of being Timberwolves coach that I just like that's my number one reason for believing that they will do this again next year. Yeah, I, I expect that we will be a top four or five seed next year. I mean, I know the Lakers will likely retool. They'll have new players there. Um, I mean, that's the impossible part in the West, right? I mean, right. Golden State doesn't look like they're ready to go anywhere. Phoenix isn't going anywhere unless Chris Paul falls off a cliff or you know has a season-long injury. Memphis is very well a team that could not be the number two seed again next year. They could be a Portland or a Denver or, you know, some of those teams that, you know, have a really great season, don't make it to the finals, and then they aren't as good the next year. But they're still a good team, and they're going to be right there in the mix for the playoffs. Denver is going to be there. The Clippers are going to be there if Kawhi comes back. You know, like you said, the Lakers could retool. They're probably the worst of the bunch heading into next year. But Yeah, I I would say looking at the, you know, and we can spend more time on this at a different date. But yeah. 
looking at where the teams fell this year, I think the Wolves will leapfrog Denver, Dallas, Memphis, Utah next year. Now the Lakers, Utah, that is a mess. That's it's weird though, right? Like it's, yeah, they were so good at the beginning. You know, I think part of Utah problem and not to get into (laughs) too much of the Utah stuff, but I think their coach is heading to LA. Yeah. They're, you know, one A star, one B star, however you rank them. Donovan Mitchell is got one eye out to New York. Rudy well, Gobert. Um, yeah. They've know, turned like, on Gobert the same way some people have turned on Towns in yeah. Minnesota. So. Yeah, it's just that and I think they've really missed Joe Ingles. The his they, his they, playmaking. He's been, an incredible player. Like, you know, and so uh, that's that's where my head's at. It's like you lose your third best player on that team. Yeah. And yeah, it's like they've got other guys, but they're aging. They're just they're not going to be able to keep it up. So no, no, they, they lose Ingles. this first round series to Dallas. They're going to have to blow it up. They're going to have to do something, especially with the way Mitchell's been acting. Like you know, he's he's a horrible defender. He hasn't improved from his second season in the league. I just I don't know what to even say about the guy right now. I like I liked him before, and I still kind of do now. But I wouldn't I wouldn't consider him a top tier star, you know, by any means. Yeah, I mean, I still I still think that he's a really good player. I think. I mean, yeah, he's exposed a little bit defensively, but it's because their team's sort of, they're playing with a, a broken roster. And their roster is more messed up as, as or I forget the word you use for the Wolves. Like, because um, I actually don't think the Wolves roster is constructed poorly. I think it's, it's just, it's so young and raw that you, mm-hmm. it's just like, it's still in the oven. Like, it's not fully baked. Like, and so talking about putting the frosting on something that's still like yeah. batter like kind of thing you know um, i mean and i think when we say constructed poorly i think the the thing is that's very easy to point to is a lack of size the lack of playable size on the team for but then you look matchups. at playoff teams in this playoffs and you see lots of teams not even playing a center at all like so is it a lack of, like mm-hmm. you know how how many episodes have i talked about wanting a second seven footer in the starting yeah. lineup this year but then we get to the playoffs, I'm like, wow, you know, like Steven Adams isn't even playing. And, you know, historically, he's been a problem for Towns. Mm-hmm. Now Towns figured out this year that he has two options as soon as he catches the ball. If Adams is on him, blow by him. If he's down in the post, pass out of it, whatever, or shoot, shoot over him. What, like, Towns has just been more deliberate with Adams. I wish Towns was that deliberate with everybody because yeah. he could do that with everybody in the league. Um, but... It's like they've taken him out of games. They've taken Gobert out of games. There, there's, there, you look at all the playoff series. There's been long stretches where there's not a big man on the floor, and it's other than like Embiid mm-hmm. and Jokic, you know, like the stars of the team, um, and for those two teams. But a lot of the other teams have gone small, and so, um, you know, and then Nas has had a fairly rough series. He's gotten better the last two games. He was um, better last night. I- I mean, like, if I can't remember how much I've talked about it on here, maybe it's just been a post All Star break thing. But like, if you follow me on Twitter at all, like, not a Nas fan. I'm just so, like, he's he's been killing me for weeks. Like, I just, I just I have a hard time watching him. I think he, the team really struggles when he's on the floor and he gets beat in the situations that he needs to be better in too often. Like, if he's going to be your backup center, like he there he needs to play better in different ways yeah and yes I, he does, he has some skills that are valuable and yeah he, i think that's the the issue with nas is he is a in the truest sense of the um, word the he's a poor man's version of towns yeah he does everything towns does just not as well and and still has a lot of the same amazing or amazing annoying traits that towns has 
even though they're not as loud. You know, like yep. he's, he whines a lot. It's not he whines, as bad he as, falls down on you know, his layups. Falls, he, yep. he does all the things. Back, yeah. Like he's just a, he's like a clone, a poor man's clone. He's like, remember the movie Multiplicity with Michael Keaton? <laughs> yeah, the, the, the making, one dumb clone. He, yeah, yeah. He's, he's the one, he's not, I don't want to say he's that guy. Yeah. He's close, yeah. but he's closer to that guy than he is the original, right? Yeah. Like, and so, hey, Steve. Yeah. And so I think Nas would be like Nas and Dallas would be a really good fit because sure. you can have a Powell playing that defensive role for mm-hmm. him, you know, next to him. And Nas can be that defense, like the offensive uh, outlet for Luca, the way that they wanted Przingis to be some, something like that. Right. So there's, there's roles for Nas and you know, he might still fit here. We just need uh, uh, the third big to be yep. that or that second power forward who could start like if we had a Brandon Clark, if we had a Kyle Anderson, if we had somebody like that, that can play 30 minutes in a playoff game, not kill you on offense. Cause they can't catch and they can't shoot mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and play really solid defense. I think not that the Nas problem goes away because also now like you're not longing for him to do something that that's not what his role is. It's like right. the Jane McDaniels argument earlier in the season. Everybody was like, not everybody, but you did for a little bit, like turned on him a little bit. Cause you're like, okay, he's not, how can we play him? He's not hitting the corner threes. Well, that's not what he does. Like, you know, and so we're putting Nas into it. We're not even putting Nas in the position. We're, we're putting the expectation on him to do something that is not his skill set. We're, we're, we're wanting him to be Matumbo, and he's not. <laughs> I mean, I'm hoping he can grab a rebound ever. But, I, I mean, I, I hear your point. He's What they've done and the strategy has been that they don't want to change the way that they play when Towns leaves the floor. They want, I mean, and like I said earlier, I really hope that that is just because, like, we haven't had time to have multiple systems. Well, and that's where I would, like, at the beginning when I talked about the pecking order. That yeah. drives me crazy. I'm hoping that the pecking order is because Chris Finch looked at the season as, like, I'm just going to see what we have. I'm going to spend mm-hmm. the whole season. Everybody's going to be able to have to be able to do everything. Now I'm hoping the new wrinkles he adds. And he's he's done all sorts of little things with each player to get them in better spots. Now I hope he's sort of, like, okay. You know, we're going to have, like, our first option always has to be Towns. Our second option always has to be Ant. Our third option can be, it can be dependent on what's going on in the game. It could be D'Lo, it could be Beasley, it can be Jaden, it could be whoever. But, like, there has to be a clear difference between how many shots Towns gets and how many shots Patrick Beverly gets, for, for God's sakes. Like, yep. um, and, and we become a guard-dominant team when our best player is a center. <laughs> it's so, like... Can you imagine the Sixers, you know, having let's look at the team last year, Seth Curry just dribbling in isolation for 20 seconds and then even mm-hmm. a three and not mm-hmm. and be not touching the ball. Or you know, I don't even want to say Jamal Murray. Well, you can we could say Jamal Murray because it's you know, Ant and Jamal's a fairly close proximity. So if Jamal Murray should come down six straight possessions and Jokic doesn't touch the ball because he's just ISOing, like you'd be pulling your hair out at Jamal Murray too. Like so yeah. we have to like have some sort of pecking order and it has to have towns at the top for the foreseeable future. And, and, you know, and, and can be second, like he is our second best offensive player by another pretty big margin. Delo's somewhat regressed in that, you know, and we can get into the Delo thing. I think Delo's regression is something that it's a double edged blade for me because on one hand it's, frustrating because you want to see him have his 40 point games that he had in golden state and brooklyn and la mm-hmm. um and we're seeing 
fewer and fewer of those each year he's been on the Wolves. But at the same time, I also think he's that rare max player star who's sacrificed more of his game so that Anthony Edwards can take as many shots as he wants. Beverly can be a bigger part of the offense here than he was in L.A. Um, that Beasley can still get 15 to 20 shots up a night. If D'Lo was more selfish, mm-hmm. those guys are going to be more unhappy, right? Like, and I think D'Lo deserves <laughs> so credit. So <laughs> deserves credit for that, though, in my opinion, that uh, for that. Like, but I also want him to be a little bit more selfish because I want him to be in position to take over games. And I don't, he's a rhythm scorer. So yeah. it's going to be really hard to call on him to take over a game in the closing minutes when he hasn't shot since the four, first quarter, you know, because everybody else is shoot, like, you know, and so again, pecking order, I think that solves a lot of these problems. And it will even solve problems for the Nas Reeds of the world where when he comes on the court, he's just chucking every time he gets a shot, he's throwing it up because he knows he's got a green light. Um, and so, yeah, I just, you know, that's, that's my hope for next season. And to your point on Chris Finch being your, your highest sense of optimism. Mm-hmm. I mean, I tend to agree with that. I think part of the, my optimism for Ant is that we have a Chris Finch to yeah. help develop and mold him into a player. I think that'll be better than what he Ant would be had it been Ryan Saunders or Thibodeau or any of these other guys that we've had. I mean, you know, we haven't had a lot of success in this organization developing players. You know, we no, got not at all. Yep. the flip with KG, but like KG is such an anomaly. Like you, I think you and I could have coached him and he would have. Yeah. He would have busted through a wall. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's different. And how many other guys did even flip Saunders really develop? You know, um, I can't think of too many. I mean, we had the Will Avery's of the world that, Mm -hmm. you know, no, I mean the, the most successful draft pick after KG was Zerbiak. And by the time he left, he was a sixth man. So it's like, it's not like he got better over the time he was here. So, yeah, so it's um, uh, that's that is what I'm excited for with with Finch is yeah. developing amp, but then also, like, as you said, adding some more wrinkles to his offense, which I hope includes a little bit more of a pecking order. Like, he comes from Toronto, he comes from Denver, you know, he, he comes from Houston. There was a pecking order in all those places, you know, mm-hmm. whether it was Harden in Houston, Jokic in Denver, or um, Kawhi in Toronto, there was a very specific pecking order, yeah, um, for those teams. And, and- to be fair, I think over the second half, I mean, and second half is a liberal term because the, the all-star break happened, you know, 65% of the way through the season. But over the second half of the season, since the last time we did a podcast, I do think there was a very in, very large increase on the emphasis of Carl Anthony Towns. And whether that was because Ant's knee wasn't right or D'Lo wasn't shooting, like, it was it was really the Carl Anthony Towns show that for the last couple months of the season. And, and that was um, the most successful stretch. It was, it was it was a super successful stretch and I I've always believed that the playoffs require a team to be more perimeter centric. Like even if your best player is a center, I I believe your guards have to step up to carry you because of the way that, that the defenses lock in, because of the way that they pack the paint and they make you be make other teams beat them with jumpers, they play their their starters more often, whatever it happens to be. Like it's always seemed to be like the playoffs are a time where a guy, you know, where you can have a series with Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell going back and forth, scoring 40 each game, because that's just what the defense is going to give you. They're not going to let the big guy just do his thing down there. You, we've seen how they're defending Carl, you know, and it's just kind of, and he, it's a testament to Carl for how well he's performed through that. Um, 
the trick for next year in in what Finch is able to do, whether it's you know putting more of a, a pecking order or priority on Carl or putting in the wrinkles that are necessary in order to use Carl's gravity in order to get him off you know at the beginning of the game and then use use the success that he sees in the first couple quarters to influence what they're able to do in in the quarters three and four. Like Ant can be the primary initiator in the fourth quarter but what he needs to be doing in those scenarios is not dribble 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 step back three it needs to be using the success carl's already had to create lanes for himself into the basket or to initiate for somebody else like they need that that's just the next step for them as a group as an offense is to build build success build gravity and then take advantage of that with other players instead of just passing the baton over you know left right right left you know whatever it happens to be Delo deciding we're down by one this is Delo time so I'm going to put a shot up over the basket you know it's just kind of how do you use what has already been successful and what the defense is leaning towards for, you know to your advantage and I think those are things that they're going to have to continue to get more comfortable with each other and build upon you know especially heading into season I mean, it's season two and a half or whatever, you know, next year together. So, yeah, um, I, I mean, and I, I don't disagree with any of that. I think part of like part of their offense, I would say I don't necessarily feel quite as strongly about you that it has to be a guard or a perimeter. I'm not saying it's or, always perimeter centric, but I think it, it lends itself more. To I, that. I, I guess. Yeah, I guess I, I agree with that, that it's more perimeter centric. I guess I don't agree that it's necessarily guard centric. Like it could be perimeter centric with cat shooting threes as we've you know seen in in successes i guess the problem i have with our offense is that like cat had 14 shots last night he was our best yeah. player with 14 shots um you know and the other part of it is the offense that we have especially in the half court set is really no offense at all it's the, the guard just dribbles 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 kicks it either shoots or kicks it over to somebody who has to take a crappy shot anyway because there's no mm-hmm. more time on the shot clock it's it's not even playing inside out or outside in, or it's like, there's, there's no pick and roll. There's no, there's no nothing. There's no flow. There's no movement. It's one guy, four guys clear out of the way. Um, it's just, there's no, there is no system. It, and I know part of it, what Finch gets credit for and rightfully so is allowing the players to be creative and, and kind of doing their own thing, but there's not even any creativity with it. Like what Ant does initiating the offense, there's no creativity. It's, Everybody knows when Ant comes on the court, it's going to be an Ant shot because he's not, he's, he's doing the Kobe thing, early Kobe days. It's mm-hmm. just, I'm just going to dribble it until the shot clock's down and then I'm going to take the shot and you can't be mad if you take a shot. I only have three seconds left. You know, well, yeah, you had 21 seconds to move the ball before that. You know, so I, I do hope that that, I don't want Ant to become a Kobe like player. Yeah. I mean, if he can become as good as Kobe. You know, sure. Yeah, yeah, go for it if you're going to be Kobe. But yeah, but it, there have been lots of guys who play like Kobe who aren't Kobe. Exactly, and I want him to be a, a little bit more of a facilitator, not just an initiator, mm-hmm. because I do think, I mean, I think a pick and roll game with him and and Towns is deadly, but they don't do it hardly ever. Yeah, you know? um, and and that is problematic for me, um, but I think it'll come again. I'm not saying any of that to be critical of Ant because he's. 20 years old for god's sakes you know like when he had 36 points in his first playoff game at 20 years old kobe's highest point total on a playoff game was 28 points and that was like his third yeah f series you know so 
again, not saying that Ant's going to be Kobe, but like you, with all these guys, you have to put your expectation and your judgment of them in context to what their age is. And, you know, we've, we've been spoiled as basketball fans because you can have a 22 year old Luca look like Michael Jordan in his prime in a playoff series because he's so ridiculously good, but that's, that's not the norm, you know? And so um, I think, you know, Ant for what he's done, has been just fine. He's doing everything you want to see him do as a 20 year old in the playoffs. Um, it's, but it's not good enough. And I, what I, my only hope was that he had the basketball instincts to get the ball to the guy that he, that's more likely to get. It. Now he's got the confidence. He thinks he's going to every shot. I mean, Ant says it over and over. I don't take bad shots. Every shot I take, I think is a good shot. Well, you can watch it as a casual basketball fan and see him falling backwards as he's shooting or not like even going straight up. You know, those he did have a quote a couple of weeks ago where he said he takes some bad shots. Oh, did he? Okay. Yeah, Most yeah. of the time he's talking about, yeah. you know, they're all good shots, but, and, you know, and Towns has, you know, he, I mean, obviously he's had his struggles and, you know, he, I mean, he has a lot to, he can get better at. Like he takes way too, he catches the ball. He thinks he's Jokic and he'll wait seven yeah. seconds and then double team comes and he can't get out of the double team as, as easy as Jokic. He's not, four, five, six inches taller, like Jokic is, who can just hold the ball over everybody's head, mm-hmm. doesn't mm-hmm. panic, doesn't get emotional, can, you know, flip the ball around. Towns is trying to, like, wing it behind his back or, like, these crazy, stupid passes that he is probably got a 20% success rate of making. It's just, you know, those things are maddening. But, I, you know, game on the line. Like, I, there's very few guys I would take game on the line yeah, a shot over Towns in the entire league. There's nobody on this team. No, absolutely not. You know, and and so it's like, I mean, last night they ran that three point play that Ant did make to his credit. They ran that for Ant. <laughs> so it's, I, it's it's interesting to see how what Finch's, um, you know, where he goes with that because it, it like that could have been a play drawn up for Cat. Like we've seen some of those this year. It's just it could have been. I really think they were trying to avoid the uh, the take foul down three, yeah, because they they. <laughs> Popped it into Cat, he immediately got that back to McLaughlin on the move so that they couldn't catch him. And then McLaughlin had that perfect bounce pass to Ant in the corner. So, like, I think a lot of the strategy there was we can't just feed it to Carl and let him square up well, look, or and, 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 run a pick I, and roll. Like, to be honest, I'll be like, people kind of roll their eyes at me, but like, anybody you watch, but if you watch basketball games, mm-hmm. I'm in the NBA, name a player in the entire league that gets double teamed as much as Cat. Or triple teamed as much as Cat, yeah. and it's not because I'm saying Cat's the best player in basketball. He's one of the five best offensive players, I do think. But it's more because his teammates aren't a threat, and that right. includes Anthony Edwards. Memphis is like, look, if Ant hits a shot, good for him. He's missed the last six he took. I'm not worried about Anthony Edwards making a shot. Guess who hasn't missed his last six? Towns. He's every one of his shots didn't even touch a rim. It was just straight through the net. So I totally agree with you. Like Memphis's goal, if Cat touched it, they're going to follow him. They're they're gonna they're not letting cat shoot a three. If anybody else in the court shoots a three, they'll live with it. Like it's yeah. nobody else is a threat, and that's the case every night, you know. And and they know like I think Ant is a threat throughout the game for them. Like they know like okay, you know, because you'll see you saw teams start to do that throughout the year that they would double cat and they would start to double Ant or like really pressure him from like this, the top of the arc because they didn't want him to have any room to work and stuff. And so um, it's, so it is interesting strategy, but if they were playing all night where they were playing that two man pick and roll game, there were, there would have been more options 
each time down because, you know, there would be, um, you know, they would have had uh, some sort of rhythm and, you know, just things would have been going for them where they just, like, there is no place, you know, as I said earlier, there's just no offense. It's just like a bunch of solo ball, hero ball. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's in, in the half court. You know, yeah. Wolves are at their best is in the full court. You know, like, you know, they, they pick off steals are great at that, getting out in transition. Um, you know, but there's, you know, and, and the only one in the half court that I think is good, and I know you don't like him, is D'Lo. I mean, it's, he's the only one. How many Vando passes to, for dunks? That's the only time Vando has got any value in the series because he hasn't been good defensively in the series at all. No. No. He, he's gotten rebounds in a couple of the games. He's gotten few rebounds in other games like he's he's just I, to be honest I mean if Jaden could just stay out of fall trouble I would give Jaden all of his minutes you know like, I mean and and that's the problem so that's like for me even ahead of D'Lo because like you and I we have a, a group text thread with our fantasy basketball league that just kind of went crazy last night and by crazy I mean there were three texts and then Chad and I argued for an hour and made everybody yeah. listen to us yeah um but even ahead of my concerns with D'Lo and the challenges that there are in him being a building block for the future, and we can get into that, is like for Jaden, my like my number number one goal next year, and whether it's by the beginning of the season or halfway through the season, is for Jaden to mature enough in his play or become consistent enough that he can take back that starting small forward spot and bring move Pat Bev back to the bench. Like his added size at the three playing a, you know, lockdown defender role on the opposing team's primary ball handler would close a lot of gaps. And especially with his ability to switch with both Ant and Vando over on the perimeter. So if he can take that step forward, I think that would be huge for him because I'm tired of him playing power forward. And I know he's the se- like the second best option on this team. I just think that really it, it does a disservice to him and it does a disservice to the rest of this team and the players that are on the floor with him. And the fact that like, if you could slide Vando to the bench and to play next to Nas, Nas would be better. If you mm-hmm. could slide, have Vando playing power forward next to Jaden at the three, Jaden would be better. The fact that Vando has to play for the starting power forward spot next to Carl and then when he comes off the floor, Jaden is either forced to play power forward or he's playing small forward next to a Torian Prince. Like, I think, like, it's putting all the other front court pieces in a bad spot, trying to play above their weight class, do things that they're not they're not best at. And, like, I love Vando. I love Jaden. Like, I could learn to love Nas again, you know, <laughs> if he was put into the right spot. But, like, they're missing that piece. And I don't have a clear solution to find that starter, that that perfect player next to Carl, to slide Vando to the bench, unless we start talking about using D'Lo's salary to do that. In which case, but then I don't have a perfect solution for how you replace him. You know, in that and I, yeah, I don't. So you know, putting the D'Lo thing aside for a yeah. moment, because I don't think we disagree as much on there. We just disagree about like how to do it. Yeah. Um, Everything else you said, I completely agree with. I I think the reason why Jaden is put in bad positions is because he's the best player outside of those top five that should be getting minutes. Yeah, he's better than Prince. He's better than Beasley. He's as a complete game, and mm-hmm. and I would argue he's on par. I think he's better than Vando, 
and I think yeah. he's on par with Beverly. So I actually think he's one of our four best players already. The problem with him is he gets some fall trouble, and then the other problem is he's a tweener. Like, he's he's playing power forward out of necessity because we don't have other power forwards on this team. You know, Torian Prince is really more of a three. Um, Vandals are only real four on the team. And mm-hmm. so, and Jaden's pushed into that role. He's been pushed into the power forward role. He's pushed into that corner three role. He's pushed into all these roles that aren't him. And so I, I he's been the guy that's had to do the most um, out, uh, with, the, with the worst situation, right? And yeah. And I think he's done a good job with that in mind. Like, he, you know, he's not put into a position to succeed. He's put, put into a position to fail. And he, I don't think he's failed. He just hasn't, he hasn't blossomed into Scotty Pippen, as Finch called, called him at the beginning of the year. But he also hasn't done anything to make me think that's completely bonkers for him to never be able to do either, mm-hmm. um, which is also good, right? And so to the Vandal, like, I think at the beginning of the year, most of us as Wolf fans thought we need a like Vandal's not a true starting power forward. We need a starting power forward. Then for a huge chunk of the season, Vandal was doing such a good job that we're like, oh, maybe we don't need a starting power forward. Maybe Vandal can be the starting power forward. And then what happened in the playoffs is you get more opportunities for half court offenses. Vandal's yeah. offers nothing in those situations. And now it's been exposed. We're like, okay, now we do need a starting power forward. And Vando's a very good player to be a sixth, seventh man, but he had like he's a defensive specialist. He's not a like he's a, he's a bad fit next to Cat in terms of like he can't space the floor. He can't do any of the things that we talk about we what we want for Cat, other than he can play some defense. But he's not even that good of a defender against bigger guys, which is really where Cat needs. He's help. a perimeter defender. He's, he's an perimeter awesome defender. perimeter four. Yeah. So um, so like I like I get butterflies in my stomach. Like excited, good, like first date butterflies. Whenever I see Vando and Jaden on the floor together, because like that is like my a perfect idea of this is what a defense could be like a like a perfect switching whatever like attack perimeter aggressive scheme whatever scheme you want to run like you put Jaden at the three and Vando at the four like those guards have no chance. And I know that you still have to tag on the back line. You still have to have somebody who's big to do you know to defend the paint and whatever else. But like. Like seeing those two as a as an idea as a concept, like I think they put them in. I can't remember exactly what game it was. It might have been, um, it might have been the Denver game. You know, late in the season when they were still trying to make that push for the sixth seed. Like they didn't play like the whole game together, and then Finch put them in for like the last couple possessions because they were really important defensive possessions. And it was just like the opposing guards couldn't do a thing, and if. Forgive me if you're listening to this and you're like, well, Denver's guards didn't have any problem at the end of the game. I might be forgetting which game it was, but, um, but like, I, I love that concept. If you can have Jaden at the three and Vando at the four, I think that's a really good match. But once again, like, if you're going to keep Vando at the four as your starter, if you're going to try to put money into other locations and keep that position cheap because the production that he gives you for $4 million is exponentially more valuable than what somebody else and then a John Collins could give you at $25 million, then do that. Just invest the rest of the money elsewhere and, you know, figure that out. But you need, you can't have Bev at the two and Ant at the three and have a, you know, combined height of 19 feet in your backcourt, you know, in the first three spots, if you're then going to have Vando at the four and Carl at the five. And that, that ties into the D-Lo discussion because 
to me, like let's just look at the, the top five players. Mm-hmm. For starters, as D'Lo's been saying, he's not really the point guard on this team. He's really Beverly's playing that position on defense the most. Yep. And on offense, all three of them are pretty equal. Ant is the facilitator or the initiator as much as D'Lo is, if not more. Beverly is as much, if not more. So D'Lo is, again, this is where I think D'Lo does deserve some credit that he's not getting because people want him to be the D'Lo in Brooklyn. Well, the D'Lo in Brooklyn was the guy. Like, he was the man, and the, everything went through him. And the D'Lo here is the has become the fourth option. And it's not because he's played worse than, than Beverly mm-hmm. or even Ant. Um, Ant's had more big games than D'Lo, but I think consistency has been a problem for both of them. And so I, well, I think it... Are you talking about, like, regular season, like, all year all or just it. in the playoffs? All year. I think consistency. Yeah, yeah. So all year, yes. I would say in the playoffs, even with Ant's struggles and isolation play, he hasn't been anywhere near D'Lo in terms of how they perform over these six games. Uh, to be honest, I don't think I don't think Ant's had a good series, to be honest. I think he's had that 36-point game was awesome. I think yeah. last night he was – I think he was bad last night. I think he cost us the game last night. I think he was more of a problem. D'Lo's had – look at the numbers. D'Lo had few shots. But he also had ten assists. You know, like he, he, he had ten assists as not the primary initiator. Um, and I, so I think he does deserve some credit. He, like what D'Lo does gets the least amount of attention because he's not hitting a bunch of threes. He's not dunking over people. He's not shooting twenty five times a night. Um, and so I think for me, if you just look at the, the five starters. The guy that least belongs with the others, to me, is Vando. Yeah. He's the, and then the next one is Beverly. And yep. so, to your point, how do you get better next year? You get more development out of Jaden. Jaden becomes your starting three. You get Ant back at the two, which I think is better for Ant. Just mm-hmm. and the, all the things you said about Jaden not at the four. Same yeah. thing applies for Ant at the three because Ant's short. Like let's talk about he grew and that he's six five six six. He's not. He's shorter no. than D'Lo. And especially he's still a shooting guard. Yeah. And yeah. And not even like a Paul George shooting guard. He's a, you know, strong one, but yeah. um, He's bigger than Donovan Mitchell. He's bigger than Jamal Murray. If you want to call him a a shooting guard at times, like he's bigger than some of these scoring guards. He's He's not a Jordan Clarkson. He's taller than Desmond Bain, but he's, they're built similarly. Bain's, you know, also built like a linebacker. Um, But Ants plays bigger because he's, dunking on people, Bane's a shooter. Um, but anyway, so my point being, if we can get back to D'Lo at the one, Ant at the two, Jaden at the three, question mark at the four, and how you get there, I get. And then Cat at the five. I don't think you need to get, I don't think you. there's any deals out there. Like you, the deal in our our exchange that we had last night, you mentioned mm-hmm. the Brogdon um, and um, Turner, Turner yeah, for D'Lo and Jaden. And Nas. And, uh, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, like, I'm, you know, again, I'm not against trading D'Lo, but I don't, like, that's a deal. Like, earlier in the year, I was interested in Turner, but it wasn't mm-hmm. going to cost us D'Lo. It was going to cost us, like, Prince and Beasley. I don't remember what the rumor was, but it wasn't, I remember it wasn't D'Lo. But seeing the playoffs, I've actually kind of, like, I don't think, I don't think you could play Turner and Cat together in a playoff series because you're so much slower now. Than teams like Memphis, like I think we would struggle 
more, especially now you don't have Dilo. Now you have only Beverly, who every other game's going to be. Well, yeah, like, Brogdon. Doing so, uh, and, and Brogdon doing something crazy. But I think Brogdon is very similar to Dilo. Like, I don't think there's a lot different. Like, I think it's because you don't watch him every night. Like, the things he does, like, look better in the highlight because you see him on Sports Center, not in. 48 minutes. <laughs> oh, I'm not interested in Brogdon because anything he does on Sports Center. I mean, I, I think he's a he's a low usage 50-40-90 guy and he's has size to play that position. Like he's, if like I'm not like I'm not I would probably trade D'Lo for Brogdon straight up if you could get Brogdon at his salary or D'Lo at his salary. I'd probably do that. I think the value in it for India like so I'm not the on, only one who has thought of Brogdon and Turner. The the difference is that everybody else I've seen online has said, try to trade D alone for Brogdon and Turner with a draft pick or something. And I don't think that comes anywhere near what Indiana's looking for. Like, yeah, sure. I, like should, they might be interested in getting off the long-term money for Brogdon, or they might not be invested in Turner long-term. I don't know either of those answers, but they're not going to do it just for an expiring salary of salary of D'Angelo Russell in order to get Indiana on the phone. This is where it becomes a very tricky conversation is you have to throw something in a value. And the only thing that Timberwolves have at that price is Jaden McDaniels. So you need to make that determination as to whether or not upgrading. I, 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 I honestly, like, I mean, that's the first thing I said last night, right? It was, yeah. I don't even think, I don't even know why Indiana would do that deal because I don't like, I think they need to move those two guys for a younger guy, even than D'Lo. Brogdon's 29. Yeah. And, and in this, this hypothetical, of his his shooting prowess and stuff like he his effective field goal percentage is actually lower than Delos this year, he, like he's he averages you know mm-hmm. six assists a game just under six assists. Um, Delos averaging seven. You know, like I, I I just don't think there's a big difference in who they are as players. I think it's uh you don't see the warts every night on Brogdon, so you're like oh I'll I'll take him. And you see, you can see the things on, on D'Lo where, and he's a four year older player. So to me, that's a no, like my, and it's not because I won't trade D'Lo. It's like, but I don't see how that gets us better. Um, the, what was the other one? Dame Lillard was the other one threw out there. Again, Damian Lillard's one of my favorite players of the last 20 years, but I think he's a damaged goods. B he's too old for our window. Like why would you want to close that window a little tighter to, to bring it to one or two years of, uh, you know, you, you might be slightly better for one or two years. Well, so I, I think that that brings us, let's, let's close on this and we'll, we'll have more things to talk about next time. And we'll guarantee that there's going to be a next time within the next three months. Unlike last time. Um, I think the window and this is so like, this is the real question they need to ask themselves in coming into this off season, whether or not they win these next two games against against Memphis or they bow out here. Like I don't, I don't see a large difference in the success of this season based on them winning this this first round series. I don't think that has to be a prerequisite to consider this a, a, a victory. And I especially like, I don't know if my heart can handle two straight weeks of rehashing the D'Lo Wiggins deal in a, a series against Golden State. That, you know, so like that debate's over. Like, wait, look, I just anybody, I would question anybody who thinks Wiggins would be better on this team right now than D'Lo. Yeah. I mean, as hard as I have been on D'Lo and as poor as he has played in this series, I would in no way undo that trade. Like, I'm I'm perfectly happy with it. But um, I don't like so long story short, no matter how this season ends up, 
I think the quite the, what they're going to need to look at this offseason is that D'Lo has one year left. Patrick Beverly is going to have one year left. Malik Beasley is going to have one year left. And Torian Prince is going to be expired. What is the next move? Is it like ride as much as we can out of Patrick Beverly, extend D'Lo, keep this core together as long as possible, and just try to play around the edges by making Jake Lehman and a mid-level extent, ex- exception into an improvement on Torian Prince? Or are they actually going to take a look at the flexibility they could have next offseason when Carl's extended, when Ant is extended, but they haven't kicked in yet, they could have room to pick and choose whoever. Not, you can't pick and choose because you're limited to whoever's a free agent, but pick and choose who they want that third player to be next to them. Like, are they sold on D'Lo being the third player next to Carl and Ant? Yeah, and I, I don't... I don't know what they are. I don't. That's not the question we were debating last night. Our question was trading D'Lo. That yeah. was really. The and only so I think here. that's they have to ask that question this off season. To trade, is it time to is it time to trade D'Lo? Because I think this is. I don't think you have an option after that. You either extend him or you trade him. I, I, I don't even think that's like look. If, if you want to get better, yeah. Like you, I think the only question for the Wolves is is D'Lo un, untradeable? Not whether you trade him. I. Like, I just, as I said in the text last night, I think that the number of teams that were calling us about the availability of D'Lo at the trade mm-hmm. deadline this year was zero. Yeah. And I don't think that list is growing. But I don't think it's because he's played bad. Like, I, I actually don't think he's had a bad series. He was plus 12 in game one, minus 26 in game two. Everybody on the team was a minus. Yeah. He was plus four in game three, plus five in game four, minus three last night. He's had nine assists, four assists, eight assists, seven assists, eight assists. He's doing what he's expected to do in this system, you he's not going to get 30 points because Anthony Edwards is shooting the ball every single time down the court. <laughs> like he's just, yeah. you could and have, if he and if he was making 20 million a year doing that instead of, but forget the money. Like I, that's yeah. like he. I'm just saying on this team, like because it's if it's not him, it's going to be another max player doing the exact same thing because they have Anthony Edwards shooting the ball 30 times a night. Like he's his opportunity, his role. He's diminished because he's playing next to Anthony Edwards. Everybody's mm-hmm. role is dimin- – Patrick Beverly's taken a more offensive role in this team. Like, I don't – like, you, I, I get the frustration. Everybody wants to see it and say, oh, he's a max player. He needs to be doing max player things. Well, what is max player things? Is it superstar max player things or is it Ben Simmons max player things? Is it um, – I think it's shooting better than 32% max player things. So, like – I don't care how many shots he's taking. I care about the value and the efficiency of the shots that he's taking. And I also think that if he's going to play a lesser role in this team, that's not where you need to have the money invested in a max player. I, and like, I, like the money part, and this is why I say it. The question is for the Wolves is really only, do, is he tradable or isn't he? And I think the answer is clear. I think he is tradable. The question is going to be, what can you get for him? Like this, You're assuming... That somebody's gonna come along and drop a all star in your lap for D'Lo. And no, I, and that see that, and that's where Jaden has to come into the conversation. And I don't want to trade Jaden, but D'Lo is nothing but an expiring con- expiring contract. If you're go- if you're talking about or the ability to make money match for somebody who's also making max money. If you're talking about trades this off season, he's not the value. So if you want to improve at another position, but you need like you need D'Lo's money to make that work, like you still have to find value elsewhere. Which is why like. D'Lo for Brogdon and Turner doesn't work because they don't want just D'Lo. 
No, I. But you're. But you're also assuming that the only way you get better is trading for another max player. You could trade Beasley. But a more neither Brogdon nor Turner are max players. No, but you got there are two giant contracts. Beasley, you can trade Beasley in that same deal and get one of Brogdon and Turner. Yeah. Right. If, if but that, he doesn't if, have any value to them either. No, but if you're my point is if you're trading D'Lo and Jaden, you could trade Beasley and Jaden, and it would be a more likely deal to happen. A and B, you're you know you're you're still getting like you you can keep the deal. You're not like giving away two two pieces mm-hmm. because like you're I guess what you're saying is D'Lo is not an asset at right. all for this. Yeah. Team. and I couldn't disagree with that more because who's going to play that role is. Do you want Jordan McLaughlin and and Beverly to be your two? Well, you you can't trade him and not replace him back. as you're, a point you're guard. Asking for a guy back. Look, look at Brogdon's stats and Milo's yeah. stats. There's very little difference between them. There, there just is. Like he's I, this. You know. Right, but there's a big difference between Turner and Vanderbilt. Uh, yeah, but is there a big difference between Turner and Jaden? If Jaden's not starting, if he doesn't prove that he can replace Pat Bev in your starting lineup, there is. I uh, see. I think Jaden is. I would. I don't think Turner can start in a playoff series for you. I don't think. My, my, you think Miles Turner would be starting against Memphis right now? With I, I think Turner can do everything Vanderbilt has done, and make a shot. I don't think he can defend the perimeter. Like Vandal's, Vandal's being asked to defend the perimeter. Yeah. Right? You think Turner? And maybe can... you, maybe you needed a different defensive scheme then. <laughs> so, so you could. So if we could change the schemes. Mm-hmm. Around the, you know, we can even change the screens around the players we already have. I, I don't see how adding, so now you have two seven footers in a, in a playoff series where the, your opponent has zero because they've taken theirs out in yeah. Adams. And so now you're slower. You're going to be slower on rotations because you're doing a switch. So maybe you get rid of the switch, but now you're asking Turner or Cat to guard somebody that's going to be much faster than them one on one with no help. I mean, I think you just said Vando hasn't been good on defense, and he, he can't been. give you anything on offense. So I, he hasn't. That's why I'm saying I'm yeah. fully in agreement that Vando's got to be the position that's to be upgraded. I don't agree that you take one of the other starting four of the best starting five in the mm-hmm. NBA this year. I don't agree you take one of the other ones, trade him. You, so you, you take you demote one of the best starting five, you trade yep. another one, and then you yep. take one of your best role uh, bench players. To also shore up one position, I that part I don't see the wisdom in doing. Now you're you're essentially blowing up a team that won 23 more games than last year. Because yeah, 23 more. I mean, as high as I've been on how they perform this year, it's still 46 wins in a seven seed. Yeah, but with a with a 20 year old. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Old, like you, you want you want them in the finals this year? Is that was your, that wasn't your expectation at the beginning of the year. <laughs> no, I didn't say I want them in the finals this year. I want them to be better next year than they were this year. And yeah, we're going to get some improvement out of Ant, but, and we'll get improvement out of cat. We're going to get improvement. As, as you said, Finch is your biggest reason for optimism. We're going to, so we should have a better system overall. Everybody should be better in their roles. We should, you know, so I guess that's where my, that's my biggest, like I, you know, you were disappointed that they didn't make a move at the trade deadline. I yeah. was, I was glad they didn't make a move because it, to me, it would feel like, like a marginal maybe a step forward for this season and mm-hmm. a giant step back for the future. Like trading Jaden for a 27, 28, 29, 30 year old player to replace Vando 
and D'Lo, to me, is a giant step backwards two years on the road. Like, I just, like, you saw, you see, like, Jaden's the only guy that's been able to guard Ja one-on-one. Nobody else, everybody else, it's, it's like, takes two guys. Jaden's, he's had some critical blocks. He's had some big threes in games. Like, and he's doing that as a 21-year-old. Yeah. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with Jaden. I just don't think the Wolves, like, if we're looking at a way to improve the roster in the offseason, I don't see any other tradable assets on the roster. It's Jaden or future picks. I'd trade future picks before I trade Jaden in a heartbeat. Sure, I, I would too, but how many? And what? I mean, you can talk about... Well, th- th- and that's my yeah. point back. Yeah, that's my point back. Every time you say trade Jaden and D'Lo, it's, so what is it for? And that you've given me op- options that I say I don't like. Yeah. And, I'm saying I'm fine with them. So, yeah, and, I, yeah. and a you got to convince those teams to do that. I think they're that's rose-colored glasses to even get them to to say yes. Like Portland's gonna get a, a like a star player. Like, I, and I'm not even saying they're gonna get better. No, I, I I was joking with Dame. I don't think that that would even come close to what they'd be asking for if they were to consider trading them. But yeah, and and like that, and that was why I was my response to you last night for those listening yeah. in the text was yeah. trade trade Ant and. D'Lo for was it D'Lo for um, Gobert you know, and Mitchell Donovan Mitchell yeah yeah because it's the same equivalent you're blowing it up you know and like I'd also trade D'Lo for Gobert I mean if straight up I would yeah yeah but like d- does that solve our problem I I think it just I don't know no it doesn't problems. it creates other problems yeah I just think those problems if you give me that opportunity i'm, I'm willing to but they're they're not them out. doing that like no, no, no they're not that's perennial all nba you know defensive yeah. player like the d-low doesn't solve any of their problems that's that's the, the thing yeah i so i just i think to me it's like you add a guy that's gonna want the ball more in d-low's spot and now you got an unhappy ant an inefficient ant an unhappy cat inefficient mm-hmm. cat like it, you, you start having problems there and you didn't like you didn't dramatically solve the vandal problem i think you can get a guy like i said aaron gordon you can get an aaron gordon for way less than d'lo you can trade him a, a prince a beverly a you know guys like that with with some picks without having to give up Jaden and get a aaron gordon type player um you can get tobias harris type player who's Ugh. yeah but is that better than vandal yeah you know that's all we're yeah for this team, like Tobias Harris can hit a three. He, you know, Vandal can't catch. Sure, so can Torian Prince. How come Torian Prince isn't starting? Because he's too small. Yeah, so is Tobias Harris. He's shorter, but he's he's got to have twenty five pounds on um, Prince. It's got to be quite so, a bit bigger. Yeah, that's not it's, it's not the solution I'm looking for. No, here, it's not mine at, at that salary just, number. Yeah, I'm just throwing it out like I, that's my point. Brogdon and Turner aren't either. You're going to have another seven, you know, seven foot plus guy on the floor with Cat, um, and trying to guard, you know, the yeah. Clarks and Kyle Andersons of the yeah, world. It's not perfect. I mean, like a year ago, we were looking at, you know, what it was it Turner or John Collins or Ben Simmons and who are we going to throw the farm at and. Are any of them even available anymore? Because Collins had just come off a great playoff run, and Simmons, even after blowing the playoff series against Atlanta, was still Ben Simmons. And all of their stocks have gone down, which is amazing, but they've gone down to the point that the Wolves might not even want to trade for them anymore. So there are no clear there are no clear answers to this it, question. It, which is another reason why I'm like more my gut reaction is like stand pat. 
Yeah, like, if, if you, there's nobody out there, you're not going to throw every asset you have. You just use your you use your marginal pick. players and picks yeah. and expiring deals to improve a guy. Like I wouldn't. Again, I'm not saying you can't trade D'Lo. I'm not even saying you can't trade Jaden. It's just got to be a really damn good offer. And there, there's been nothing that comes close to that sniff test to me that anybody's pointed out on Twitter or mm-hmm. you or anybody in rumors that I would say yes to for giving up the future of Jaden for a 29 year old player that can help us in one round, you know, next year. I just, yeah, that's where my difficulty is. It's like the, the, the growth of this team is going to be in their development. It's not going to be in going out and get like, this isn't a market. You just go and buy your pieces. Like that's what happened. That's why the Lakers failed this year, frankly, is because that works for a year. And then it like everywhere LeBron's gone, it's good for a year or two. And then it, implodes because it's a bunch of older players he traded all their good assets for a bunch of guys that were only had a year or two left of being any good and that's what you're essentially doing by trading Delo for a to me for a brogdon and turner you're you're trading for one or two good years and then it's you know blow it up start over and i don't think that's good enough to win a championship or even really get to the mm-hmm. conference finals I think you have a better chance of getting to the conference finals in two years with the group that we have today developing than by adding a 29 or 30 year old Brogdon. And I don't even know how Turner's 28. He's going to be 28, 29 as well. Um, So, you know, I, it just has to be a, there has to be a better deal than that for me to say yes um, to, to give up. And again, it's not D'Lo that I'm saying no to it's Jaden. I'm not, I'm not because I think D'Lo has got enough value for this team. I'm not talking about for other teams that I'm not also giving away another really good value. I'd rather trade Beverly. I'd rather trade Vando. I tried, I I'd trade everybody else on the team besides Ant and Cat before I would trade Jaden. Yeah. Frankly. And I think, I don't think any of those other players provide any value in return. Like, which but I like, I don't want to trade Jaden either. I want to, him to stay. I want him to continue to grow and see where that goes. And if you're, if you're asking me how we get to that championship caliber team, like, and if it's through internal growth, Jaden has to be a part of it. And I agree with that. I just don't consider D'Lo a part of that championship caliber team. There's nothing that I've seen, even in his best months in the middle of the year, where I've thought this is a part of this this core. And I, I'm not, I don't even disagree with that. Yeah. My retort is always, like, that's great you can identify that he's not one of the guys. Now yeah. identify a move that you can get one of those guys for him. That's the, that's the problem that I have with the throwing out D, the D'Lo in the trade thing. Like, sure. Does D'Lo look like Chris Paul? No. How do you get Chris Paul for D'Lo? Like Chris Paul at 30 for D'Lo. Because like you could you might be able to get Chris Paul next year for D'Lo because, you know, Phoenix can probably like, oh, yeah. I'd rather have 70 games of D'Lo than, you know, what will probably be 35, 40 games next year of Chris Paul. Like, but what is the, that deal? We talked about this last year in the offseason as well. Like, we have to find those kind of deals, like the the deals of the, the players that some other team gave up on. Yeah. So you can bring them the Jay Crowders like last year for Phoenix, the Chris Pauls. Like that's how Phoenix made that leap. Yep. They didn't do it by trading away one of their the Bridges or Cam Johnson or one of their young Jaden like players. They did it by just making the right mid level signings or trading away and expiring for the right guy to get that veteran player that some other team gave up on, you know, a little bit like what the Wolves did with Torian Prince. Like, what's that next player for us? That's how, to me, you improve the Vandal position. You don't give up. You, like, 
If I mean, some... yeah, you find the undervalued asset. I mean, what we need, like you said, is our Chris Paul. We need that guy who's going to come in, and even if they are a little bit outside of the time range or whatever, they're going to really galvanize the team. They're going to settle everything down. They're going to be the guy who can teach this team how to take it to the next level. And, I mean, unfortunately for Phoenix, yes, he is significantly older, and he's going to close their window faster. And if, you know, if they get two finals runs and then Chris Paul only plays 40 games next year and he's not he's a shell of himself the year after that, then that's a bummer. But but, but I actually... It's, I. I think Phoenix did it the right way. They tr- they didn't trade anything of really high value to get him. They didn't no, I mean, tra- but they traded their D'Lo in Ricky Rubio and their Beasley in Kelly Oubre and a couple picks. So if you can find a guy that's right. not valued but right now, if Beasley, you can name if you can name that guy to me, then I'll I'll sign off on that in a second. I just don't know who that player is. Yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's that's the point I'm making is it's Beasley and Delo. If you can get a Chris Paul for Beasley and Delo, do yeah. it. Jaden's the problem because if you because where Phoenix is in a good spot, they have the Cameron Payne's, the Cam Johnson. They have some other guys that can step up and play bigger roles when Chris Paul is you know off yeah. the sunset. So they didn't mortgage their future to upgrade their weakest spot. You know and like. In fact, when they brought in Chris Paul, they were, you know, Rubio had missed some games. It was, I don't, he probably was the weakest spot on their starting five. Yeah. And it was a bummer for him. I mean, he was a part of that team that went to the bubble, won eight straight games, you know, did their thing. And he was a strong starting point guard for that team. They just got better there. And like I said, if you could find the depressed value or depressed asset in the league, like Chris Paul, whoever that's going to be, that is just waiting for the next situation i'll sign off on that too like that's who i'm looking for and i would love for it to be beasley instead of Jaden. I, I, I think it has to be if you give up on Jaden, yeah it's like you might so well. i'm not saying like i don't want to trade Jaden. trade Jaden. i'm throwing s- silly scenarios out there because i've spent probably three seconds looking through the rosters in the rest of the league because the timberwolves are luckily still in the playoffs and all of the offseason problems are elton brand's problem to solve so We'll get there when we get there. And for now, Wolves back, Chad. Wolves back. Yeah. What's your predictions for uh, game six? Game six? Oh, gosh. I want to say I want to say they win. I don't know why I wouldn't say they win because they, they're just as good as Memphis. And they've proven that throughout the course of the series. So there's no reason why coming home and having that opportunity wouldn't lead to a win. Like they, the chance should be there. I think I'm still a little scarred inside from Timberwolves basketball or Minnesota sports or whatever it happens to be that I'm prepping myself emotionally for them to not win because I just, I don't know like if I can handle game seven to the point that like I can would even be able to function the following Monday. But uh, I don't know, like, I have a really hard time picking this one because it's like everything. It's like emotions versus logic versus. Well, so going into, yeah. yeah, going into last night's game, I thought last night we would get blown out. Yeah. I, I, they played much better they, than I They played better. They played better yeah. than Memphis. Memphis. Like they just got stupid at the end. They played stupid for two minutes and it cost them the game. Um, Memphis, I think kind of going back to what I said earlier, where I think Minnesota is a better team. I think Memphis knows they're less talented. And so they, 
And because they know that almost every night they're less talented than the other top teams, mm-hmm. they know their margin for error is slimmer, so yeah. they make fewer mistakes. They they are careless. And they, and they still make a lot of mistakes. They, they just do, make but less they, than the Wolves But do. they do. They make their mistakes on effort. Like, they don't, they don't take possessions for granted. The Wolves take possessions for granted all the time. Like, how many times is Ant just like screw something up at the half court, throw the ball out of bounds or cat throws the ball. I'm like they all do it. Like there's nobody on our team that's immune to it. Beverly does it. Who was supposed to be our veteran, you know? So I just, Memphis doesn't do as many of those because Memphis knows every, for us, every possession is going to count. And like, you know, even at the end of the game last night, you know, we're shooting three, 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 and they're attacking, 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 mm-hmm. attacking. And in the playoffs, that's far more meaningful to attack because the refs are going to give you the benefit of the call. Like, you know, Taylor Jenkins complaining about the falls, which is yeah. laughable to me because we were like, even after that game, right. we were a plus 36 fall. Right. Like, it was just like, the falls are so much in their favor. It's not even funny. You, you know, and it's really easy to judge that because you can just look at the, the numbers. But the, um, for the Wolves, like, if they need to attack more, so they get the benefit of the call. They get more and ones. They get like, if you make more twos, more threes will fall. That's just how it happens in basketball. But they don't. Um, so I, I think they win tomorrow night. I think they lose game seven. And I would have like going into last night. I thought we were going to get killed. I thought we'd mm-hmm. win game six. And I thought we'd get killed game seven. Now I think we win tomorrow night. We have another nail biter game seven. Because I think we've been the better team in four out of the four five games. Four out of the five games. Right. Yeah. And really, if you take it to nine games. I think we've been better seven out of the nine, um, you know, going through the regular season as well. And, I, you know, I just I just think we're a better team. We're just less experienced and we're more emotional. But uh, so, you know, the better team usually won't lose two in a row. Yeah. So I don't see us losing the second one here. But but it'll be fun. I mean, I mean this, this series is, is chaos on both sides. So. Uh, for next time, I just want you to figure out if you would uh, trade D'Lo and assign and trade for Zach Levine. But other than that, bye! <laughs> See ya.